0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks, where we talk to people who broke free of the corporate world's shackles to start their own business. I'm your host, Neil Thompson, official corporate shackle breaker. Today's guest is Josh Fax of Fax Communications. Fax Communications is a one stop shop for healthcare and biomedical companies that need a master writer. Blog posts, newsletters, web copy, Fax Communications handles it all and much more. I'm interested to hear about Josh's transition from employee to entrepreneur, his love of writing, and his future plans. Let's bring him in now. Hello, Josh. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for taking time from your day to talk to the people here. First question, as a child, what do you want to be when you grow up?
1: Wow. As a child, um, you know, my my dad was a chemist. And, uh, so I think that probably my earliest thing was I wanted to be, you know, chemist like my dad. Um, but you know, I wanted, I think I started writing when I was young, uh, probably 12, 13. And, you know, from that point on, um, other than a slight deviation in interest in, in, in going to law school, uh, that's pretty much what
0: I wanted to do all along, which is write. Interesting. So since you were 12, 13 years old, you had an interest in writing. Did you think then that you could make a job out of it? Um, you know, I was writing a,
1: a novel when I was like 15, so I really, I mean, I thought it would be easy, um, and, and boy, was I wrong about that. But, uh, you know, it seemed, it seemed like it was just a matter of, of, you know, doing the work, just writing it, and then everything else would fall into place. There's a lot more to it, but, um, you know, I think it's like anything else. If you want it badly enough, you, you just find a way of getting it.
0: Right. So you wrote a novel when you were 15 years old. That's pretty impressive. When I was in school, I would never wanted to write one of those thousand-word essays in English class, and here you are writing a whole novel. That's pretty cool. Well, I didn't,
1: I didn't like writing those essays either. Um, it was, it was a lot easier to write for me to write, you know, the, the fiction, uh, because there weren't any rules. Um, I never particularly cared for the rules. And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, it was, um, it was, it was probably easier to, you know, to just, you know, sit in front of a typewriter after school and just, you know, write whatever I felt like writing. Um, and, and just as a caveat, you know, um, what I wrote was pretty much total garbage. Um, but, uh, you, you know, at least, you know, I mean, it, it, the way I look at it now is it speaks to motivation. And uh, so, you know, the quality wasn't there yet. But, you know, I mean, certainly the desire was.
0: Well, you know what? I think you're not by yourself in that boat. I actually read something that my mother had saved, and she gave it to me a couple of years ago. It was a story that I wrote when I was 12. And I couldn't even get through it, man. It was cringeworthy. <laughs> wow. I thought this was so great back then. <laughs> this <That> is <blew> garbage. <laughs> Hopefully I've gotten better since then. <laughs> so what was your first adult job?
1: My first adult job?
0: Yeah. I was,
1: um, well, I was, um, I, I kind of did a pre-retirement um so i i i spent my, i spent most of my 20, uh just kind of goofing off uh i i think there's really no way to to put it and i was i would be i spent most of my time in restaurants and retail um so you know that that was uh and and part of that is I kind of wanted to extend college forever um and that was and and i think that was you know i don 't know if you would call it a plan per se but that was what was happening. So I would, you know, I I quit jobs. I go traveling. I go live at the beach. I would um, do things like that. Now, my first real job, um, as 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 I like to put it, 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 didn't come until I was in my 30s, and I started working for Scripps Health. Um, and that was actually kind of a culture shock for me because all of a sudden I was immersed in this in this in this, this environment that had lots and lots of of rules, both written and unwritten, and I had to learn to navigate that. So that was a little bit different for me, but I figured it out. I ended up working for Scripps for, for almost 10 years.
0: Oh, wow. So that's a long time to be at, at one company. When you first started out there, did you plan on being there that long?
1: Oh, no, no, no. I tried to leave numerous times, um, but nothing you know, the, <laughs> the right opportunity never the right opportunity never came along and, and it was you know i mean it's like any large company you know you 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 how well you're doing and how well you like your job you know a lot of it, it it depends on the micro environment you're in which is governed by who your boss is and what it's like to work for them and i had some really good bosses um there and uh, and then some not so good bosses and so that would kind of you know you know my experience varied from time to time um, but I was glad I stuck it out. It was—it turned out it was a really good thing that I stayed there as long as I did. Um, I, I had a lot of good opportunities as a result.
0: Interesting. Did, were you writing when
1: you were at Scripps? Was that your job, yeah, or I, was, did you do other things? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was in communications the whole time. I started out, I was in the um, – uh, it was called Scripps Foundation for Medicine and Science at the time. Um, it's now called Scripps Health Foundation. Um, at the time, it was kind of a weird – thing because it was not really part of Scripps Health it it was it was was semi-autonomous because it was the fundraising arm for both Scripps Health and the Scripps Research Institute which were um, different entirely different organizations but had you know common roots and uh, so it was an interesting you know it, it was interesting on a lot of different levels Later on, uh, Scripps Health and T S R I got a divorce and uh, and then you know the the foundation went over to uh, Scripps Health and and I came over with it. Uh, and then I worked in their marketing communications department for several years.
0: okay, interesting. So you' were there at Scripps for ten years, and then I'm guessing you work at, at other companies before you you went solo after Scripps, I worked for uh,
1: Sanford, Burnham. I mean, sorry. When I started working there, it was Burnham Institute, and then it was Sanford Burnham, and now it's Sanford Burnham Previce, So they changed names every few years. Um, and uh, so I went to the basic research side. That's where I got all uh, my, uh, or the majority of my basic research uh, experience in terms of writing about it, and uh, in terms of, uh, of of you know taking some very complex science and translating it into English so you know the average person could understand what was being done in the lab. So I've worked there for three years.
0: Okay. All right. So then eventually you you must have gotten to the point, you worked at these various companies or these institutes, you eventually decide that you want to go off on your own and start your own business. What motivated you to become self-employed?
1: Well, as so often happens in these situations, you know, you don't choose to do it. It chooses you. Um, In this particular case, I was laid off. Uh, for Sanford Burnham, um, you know, NIH funding was was way down. This was in 2011. Uh, we're obviously, you know, in uh, in you know um, the middle of a recession at the time, and uh, and so they they laid off uh, Sanford, uh, Sanford Burnham laid off quite a few people at that time. And I was lucky because I was in the first wave, um, and it was it was one of those you know weird situations because I really liked what I had done there, but you know, you, you, you have to face the reality of what's going on. Um, so if you – so I, I could have gone and, you know, looked for jobs at Salk or Scripps Research Institute or UC San Diego, but they were facing the same problems in terms of, of grant funding. So even if I had gotten a job for them, you know, with one of those organizations, uh, it was pretty likely that I would have been laid off from them at some point as well because that was what was going, you know, kind of rippling through the industry at the time. Um, so after some deep, deep thought, I, I decided that maybe it was time to go on
0: on my own. Okay, yeah. yeah well, you know, that's a very, really good point. You know, a lot of people end up becoming self-employed just due to, to circumstances. Layoff being a, a, a pretty big circumstance, if, if, I, if I say so myself. One of the I guess, issues that people that go off and start their own businesses, entrepreneurs, freelancers, what have you, it's people that don't work for companies. A big issue they, they face is the fear of leaving a corporate job. Now, I know you left you left Sanford Burnham because of a layoff, but you decided to not go and look for another job at some of the other institutes in and around town because the, you would have pretty much faced the same issues you would have faced that, that you were facing at Sanford Burnham. But you still had to, I'm sure, get past the, you know, some sort of, you know, maybe not anxiety, but the fear, uneasiness about going off on your own. Did you face that? And, and if so, how did you deal with it? Um, well, I faced it initially. I mean, obviously, it was a, it was
1: a difficult decision. Um, my, my wife is very risk-averse. And the thing that really put me over the top was, you know, I went to her and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And she said, go for it. Um, and when she said go for it, I was like, well, you know, she's much more risk averse than I am. And, uh, so that's, you know, that's a sign that I should really, I should really give it a shot. Um, you know, I mean, you know, the way I saw it, um, you know, the worst thing that could happen was, uh, you know, I would dip into savings and, and, you know, I'd set aside a certain amount of money. And that was kind of like, you know, my – it was kind of like going to uh, uh, a, a um, blackjack table. I mean, you know, with, you, know you say you have – okay, I have a certain amount of money I'm, gonna, I'm willing to gamble away. And once I lose this amount, then I'm done. And that's kind of the way I approached this was, okay, I have, I have this much amount of money that I feel like I can, I can spend, you know, on business and on, on expenses while I'm growing the business. And, and once that's done, then, you know, if nothing's happening at that point, then I really need to go out and find a real job.
0: So that was
1: kind of, you know, that was kind of the way I dealt with the anxiety. And, you know, it's funny because I got, I got really lucky. Um, I actually got a really good, big, juicy project. uh, Like the first 10 days I went after, after I went freelance. Um, and, and that was, you know, in retro, I mean, I knew I was lucky at the time, but in retrospect, you know, five years later, I was really, I'm really, I'm kind of awed by my good fortune.
0: Okay. Well, tell everyone who's listening about fax communication. What exactly do you provide for your clients? Um, you know, I provide,
1: you know, kind of communication strategy and tactics and, and, but most importantly, I, I provide writing. I, provi- I provide the written word, um, so to help, you know, and that in a variety of, of, of different disciplines. I mean, mostly in healthcare and biomedical research, but that goes through news releases and white papers and web copy and blog posts and articles, and uh, and so you know, there's a lot of. People need to produce a lot of content, and um, a lot of people, you know, even people who have experience in marketing and PR, they're. It, it doesn't mean they're they're you know they're good at, at at understanding the tactics and executing the tactics, but they're not always good at the content, and and it's a good opportunity for me to step in and, and especially in some of the you know these very technical basic research papers and just you know, take that technical information and, again, translate it for a lay audience and make it sizzle.
0: Yeah, yeah. okay, that, that's interesting stuff. So you mentioned initially that one of the things that you do is is strategy and, and communication strategy and tactics. What exactly does that entail?
1: Well, I mean, for instance, you know, let's say, for example, you have the rollout of a, a you know, of a website and you want to um, – you know, you, 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 you want to get that website out, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to do that? Who can you partner with? Um, you know, who, what kind of communications are you, are, are you going to send to your stakeholders to let them know, um, if you're a nonprofit, how are you going to communicate it to, you know, to donors? Um, how are you going to use this as an opportunity to, uh, maybe expand your donor base and say, Hey, look, I've got you know, I've got this new, uh, this new website, what partners can you ha- help you with you know i mean especially in not you know nonprofits you know they're they're always partnering with other organizations what you know what can you do uh and then you know also on the uh on the p r side you know i I've, I've worked with with some companies and you know some 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 they're they're developing Therapies and and you know they're in early stage development. They can not have a lot of money, uh, and but they want to get the word out. They want to get the word out to patient groups. They want to get the word out to um, you know to potential investors. They want to get the word out to just you know the public at, you know you know the public at large. Uh, so you know I try to help them find different ways. Obviously you know traditional PR outlets, news releases, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, do websites, social media, particularly Twitter and Facebook, um, just to get out and you know, find different conduits, different channels to get those messages
0: out. Interesting. One question I meant to ask you, before, you said that essentially throughout your 20s you spent that time working in restaurant and retail, and then eventually you get your this break at, at scripts. Was that something that you were looking to do to, to get a job, some sort of writing job, or was that something you just kind of fell into?
1: Well, before I worked at Scripps, I worked for an organization called The Writing Center, uh, which was a nonprofit uh, writing education organization that was based in San Diego. Uh, so I worked there for uh, like three years. But then as it happens occasionally for nonprofits, they went, they, they, they went out of business. They ran out of money. Um, so, you know, there again, another layoff, um, although they, you know, everybody was, you know, the entire staff was laid off. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I had, you know, they, I was the the program director there, so I helped organize the classes and, and, and put out the catalog and things like that. So it, there was writing involved in that, but it wasn't really a writing job per se. Um, and it was kind of at that moment that I thought, you know, I can leverage this into an actual writing job. And I, I, I was unemployed for about, oh gosh, three months. And, uh, and it was just, and I applied for a lot of places and I got a lot of interviews and, you know, I I wasn't really all that enthusiastic about any of them and they didn't hire me. So they weren't particularly enthusiastic about me either. And, uh, (laughs) and then the scripts did came along and it was just a really good fit. Um, The, you know, the, the, the,
0: you know the woman who
1: hired me. Uh, we got along great, and it was just—it was just a good. It was just—it was just you know the right gig at the right time for me, and again,
0: very fortunate. Right. Sounds like at least in the, the the work history that you've had so far, Josh. You haven't been so lucky. The writing Center layoff. You know, Stanford Burnham layoff. Well, I guess one of the nice things I would think I would think about being self-employed is that you're. There's no, there's no chance of being laid off anymore is that something that you that you will that, that you like about being uh self employed being an entrepreneur being more in control well I mean, I mean
1: you do get laid off you just you know you have clients i mean i've had i've had um i've had two clients go out of business uh this year um i've hmm. had I, I i'm sorry
0: uh, No, i just uh, kind of cringed. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay. Um, and and so I've had two go out of business, and then I've had one that is you know hit hit uh, tough financial times. So they they really cut back on their freelance budget, and and then I had another one that went the opposite way. They're actually actually flush, and and they hired a communications person who is now doing. They have a full time person. So there's actually kind of a sweet spot for me between. You know that you have that a company has enough money that they can they can hire a freelancer and you know pay my rate and and but not so much money that they can go out and say okay I want well, I want a full time person um, who's going to basically do all the stuff the freelancer used to do um, so that's it's kind of interesting you can you can you, you can lose both ways
0: yeah that, that sounds like it I never really thought of it that way well one of the I, I mentioned already one of the issues that people going off on their own to start their own businesses face is the uh, the fear of leaving a corporate gig to to you know start their own business. I think another fear or issue that entrepreneurs face is getting clients. You men you just mentioned you lost two this year and then another one you lost because of them hiring a full time person. How do you go about finding clients?
1: The most important so when I first started out, you know, my business plan I, I, I was that I was going to talk to every single person that I knew um, who could either hire me or might know somebody who could hire me or was even just interested in knowing what I was doing. Um, So I think the first step for anybody who's, you know, who's who's starting their own business is just to let the world know you're doing it. Um, And, and
0: through that,
1: through that process, um, I, I got work. I mean, the, you know, that, the, the, my, first, my first gig was, it was just fully came from me making that phone call and reaching out, and, uh, and that was actually with Scripps. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, over the next year and a half, various people that I had called either called me back and, and offered me work or referred me to somebody else and then over time, as I've gotten more established, clients—you know—some of my clients have referred me to to, to newer clients. Um, I've got—I have an outlier that I got on LinkedIn, and then I have—you know—I have friends in the business, and sometimes they have they have jobs that they just don't want to do uh, for whatever reason, and and they've sent them my way, and uh, and those have been been very valuable for me um so i think you know the, the most important thing is just to be out in the world um but let me just give you like an illustration of that it's just really you know so i got one job um through a networking event okay so here's the thing i don't i don't remember i go to networking events because one of the things that that you know, the hardest part for me because i'm kind of an extrovert is that it's hard for me to be alone so i'm alone in my house with my dog you know, and and you know, I, I talk to people on the phone, but I don't get a lot of face-to-face contact during the day. So I I try to get out and go to events and meet people for lunch and do things to, you know, to, to satisfy that side that wants to, because, you know, in an office, you can just, you know, you get sick of doing work, you go in, you talk to your buddy in the office down the hall, and, you know, you spend 10 minutes, and then you're recharged and you go back. You don't have that if you're off on your own, unless you're in, like, a co-working space or something like that. So, you know, I was... um So I, I, I like to go to networking events, but I don't generally get a lot of work doing that, but you know, they're fun to go to. But anyway, the point, (laughs) this is the roundabout way, but I'm getting to a point actually. Uh, the, there was this one event and I ran into somebody I used to work with at, at Burnham and Burnham has, um, has two campuses, one in La Jolla and one in Orlando, Florida. And, and the, the event was in La Jolla and, um, the but one of the 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 woman I used to work with she was she was had a guy from Florida who was up uh to the main campus who was visiting, and so I ran into him at this event. We had a conversation for i don't know maybe ninety seconds uh we shook hands you know he asked he asked about me I asked about him you know and that was it and then he went his way to the event, and I went my way, and that was it two years later. He called me up and he said, I don't know if you remember me, but we met at this event and now I'm not at Burnham anymore. I'm over at, um, I'm over at Sylvester Cancer Center, the University of Miami, and we could use a freelancer. Are you still doing that? And so I got a, I got a gig from, from a 90-second conversation at somebody that, that didn't come into fruition for years. Um, so you just never know. You just, you know, the important thing is to let, is just to let people know what you're doing. Um, and and here's the thing, because these transactions happen all the time. Somebody from one organization calls somebody else from another organization, and says, "Hey, I'm looking for a vendor. Do you, can you do you have somebody you can recommend?" And and people like to have an answer to that. They don't want to have be able to like, no, sorry, I don't know. They want to have somebody that they know that's reliable. That they can say, "Oh yeah." But, you know, I can hook you up. I know this guy, you know, and he can, he, can, he can help you or I believe he can help you and you should talk to him um, because that, you know, that helps everybody involved and, and, and it, you know, it kind of builds their relationship. So the important thing is to just let as, as many people know as is as, as, as practical of what you're doing and, uh, and, you know, sooner or later those things come, tend to come around or at least, you know, they did for me.
0: Wow. That's, 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 that's an interesting story. I, you know, I, I go to these networking events too. And, and, and just like you said, a lot of times, you know, nothing really comes of them. I guess I'm just waiting to get, you know, that one conversation, that one 90 second conversation to to take place so that two years later it can lead to some sort of work. <laughs> we'll see what happens you just there, have, I guess.
1: You never, I mean, you, you really, there's so much serendipity involved. Um, it's uh it's really crazy, I, and and let me give you another another example of serendipity. So I was the other day, um, I was I was meeting with a potential client, and basically he wanted to know what I could do, for, you know, do for him. So we're talking, and he's a scientist, and and um, and he and we were just talking about different aspects of the science, and uh, he mentioned a talk he had, he had come to, he had gone to, uh, and he's, he's described in this talk and I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds familiar to me. And then I realized that another one of my clients that I had just, I had just reviewed a press release for them, which described the science that this man was describing to me right now. So I knew I had read the paper, uh, you know, like two hours before and and so i and I, and even though he didn't he didn't mention the name of the of the the scientist who had written the paper or the the p i on the paper and uh so i just i just said is 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 that such and such and he he just looked at me like he couldn't believe that i had that I knew who he was talking about, just from this like little bit of information about this one protein um but it was just absolute serendipity. I just happened to have read just read that paper. And just hearing him talk about science, it's like, oh okay, that's this guy. So you just never know. All these things intertwine in such a such an interesting way.
0: Neil? Hello? Yes, hello, Josh. Hey, Neil, I lost it for a second. Yeah, yeah, I, a bit of technical difficulty. I apologize about that. Well, uh, yeah, so you know, this always was uh, very interesting. I mean, you, you live quite an interesting, interesting life, Josh. And uh, I'm sure that everyone that was listening was um, was very happy to you know to hear about your journey from retail, retail and and restaurant work to to where you're at now, you know, doing what you love, which is writing ever since you were 12, 13 years old. Where can people find you? Um,
1: well, I'm all is through my web website, uh, which is at uh, bax.com, that's b a x t c o m m.com. Um, and that has information about, you know, what I do and some work samples and some information about clients and all that good stuff.
0: Excellent. So, for anyone who wants to find Josh, just go to his website. He's a master writer. If you need any sort of writing help, he's a man to Again, thank you, Josh, for being on Neil Thompson Speaks.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much.
0: Yep. Thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of Neil Thompson to learn more about me and Neil Thompson Speaks. Please visit. Neil Again, that is Neilthsonspeaks.com. Until next time, take care.